Welcome to the Grace Baptist Church podcast for Sunday, April 3rd, 2022. Today's sermon will be from Hebrews chapter 6, verse 11. If you'd like to follow along, please go to gracebaptistchurchnc.org, click the current sermons link at the top, and click today's manuscript. Welcome to Grace Baptist Church. This morning we will be in Hebrews chapter 6. We'll continue from where we left off a couple weeks ago, and <clears throat> thanks we all say thank you to Garrett for your work last week and, and the blessing it was. Garrett, thank you very much. Um, I'm going to be <clears throat> today, we've, we've come up last two weeks ago, we preached a, one of the most difficult passages probably in, in, in the Bible, certainly in the book of Hebrews, just dealing with uh, apostasy and really what is happening now with that went from really verse chapter 5 verse 11 um, all the way through verse oh, the, really the end of the chapter so really what we're doing is we're continuing on and <clears throat> and so this week and next week and, and maybe the week after in some way shape or form I'm going to be preaching on the topic of assurance because there were some questions after two weeks ago, just thinking about, wow, could I commit the apostasy? And wow, what, what, what's going on in my life? Am I really a Christian? I mean, I've had lots of discussions, which has been very helpful. And so, but we, but we need to continue through the text because I think that will give us, help us to answer more questions. And so the, the whole doctrine or thought of assurance is very important to us as Christians. And so that's where we'll be this morning. Let me read chapter 6, verse 11. And by the way, I'm going to get all these verses, but today I'm going to do a big topical sermon, okay? And we're going to go back to some foundations, but I'm going to hit the main point of really the chapter. But let me just read verse 11, chapter 6, verse 11. And we desire each one of you to show the same earnestness to have the full assurance of hope until the end let's pray together heavenly father thank you for your word these are the words of life and we come before you in, in great humility and we Humbly pray and ask in Jesus' name that you would make your truth known. Reveal yourself. Reveal the gospel to us. I pray that Jesus would be lifted up. I pray that he would increase. That we would decrease. Pray, Father, that, that, that you would use me in imperfect, but yet in Christ. Uh, in perfect standing. I pray that in spite of me, you would work greatly and that these words of life would work through your power. I pray that your Holy Spirit would convict. I pray that your Holy Spirit would help Christians to see that, that, uh, that uh, just find the assurance in Christ that, that you desire for us. And I pray that you would give us grace this morning. We give you this time. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. The title for the sermon 
is today is the ground or the basis of assurance or of Christian assurance. Now this text, as I noted, really concludes what the author began back in chapter 5 verse 11. And so last or two weeks ago we saw a warning, great warning. This week, I, I hope we, we will see, starting this week and then next week as well, we'll see an encouragement. Because look at verse 9 of chapter 6. Though we speak in this way, in fact, thinking about apostasy, yet in your case, beloved, we feel sure of better things. In other words, the author is saying, I believe you will be saved. I believe you will continue in the faith. And I feel sure that you will finish the race. And with these words, the author goes further and says, I want you to have full assurance. And that's an important theme for us. Assurance. And then in verse 12, he believes that his hearers will follow the faithful example of all of those who have come before, the great cloud of witnesses that we will eventually get to in chapter 11. That's our example. It's clear. He's looking forward to that. That's where I, I see, I believe, this author is putting Christians. We are there. In other words, we will heed the warnings of Scripture as Christians. And these are God's means of grace. These are signs, warning signs to Christians to keep us from drifting away, for, from falling away. And I believe that a true Christian in the end, will continue until the end. And so, really, the doctrine of assurance falls under the umbrella of the bigger doctrine of perseverance, perseverance of the saints. Many of us have heard the statement, once saved, always saved. You ever heard that? Once saved, always saved. Well, I certainly believe this is true, and I think the Scriptures teaches this, but I don't like to use the term personally. I think it's very misleading this is common, I think, in Baptist circles for sure. You walk the aisle, you make the profession, you get baptized, and then you go and you live as you like. And then when somebody comes to your house and shares the gospel with you later, and they say, hey, pastor or so-and-so, I've been, I've been baptized, and I'm, I'm a Christian, but yet you look at their life and you go, wow, you they're probably not reading their Bible regularly. They're certainly not gathering together with God's people regularly. And if you were to, get, if you were to go into their homes, you would probably find that, that in many cases, they love the world more than they love Christ. And, I, and so that is something we all must think about. But I can tell you this. If you were to ask those folks, what assurance do you have? How much assurance do you think they have? Because if, if, if I look back to my life, I was baptized at, at, at a young age, and I made that profession, and I, I went through college, and some of you know exactly what I was like in college. And all that time, I called myself a Christian. Was I a Christian? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Now, did God have his eye upon me from before the foundations of the world? Absolutely. But at that time, was I a Christian? And I would go back just because of it. 
certain types of preaching and teaching, and I'd say, but I was baptized. I made the profession, therefore. And that's why when we go to funerals, often, we often hear people preached into heaven. And, and, and if you've ever preached a funeral, you know how difficult it can be. And we do certainly leave those things with God, knowing that God, the God of all the earth, will do what is right. And God knows, who knows what happens at the end of life, and th- this and that. But you can hear what I'm saying. And so I just put that out there because that's kind of, that's the context that I grew up in. When saved. Uh-oh, I go out a little bit there? Maybe not. Now, works do not save us. The Bible says, for by grace you've been saved through, the, through faith. And this is not of your own doing, it is the gift of God. It is not of works, lest anybody should boast. But, as we will see coming up, in the coming next week particularly, <clears throat> as we will see, works are certainly tied up to, uh, with our assurance. But for today, I want to go back. Well, I want to go back. I want to think about now, and I want to go forward. We're going to, we're going to go through all of eternity, if we could say that. We're, kind of, we're limited to time. But I'm going to look at it from a, the, the doctrine of assurance. We're going to go down deeper. And I'm going to look at it from like a big bird's eye view, particularly of this passage, and give us some foundations for our assurance, the ground of our assurance. Now, if we read through this passage, the context as to why the author feels that you are going to... Is that me somehow? Might have it a little bit too close here. Pull it out a little bit. I'll blame that on you, Gary. <laughs> <clears throat> The reason that we have assurance, really, if you think about this passage, as we will see, it is because of the promise of God to save. This is the context. The author believes they will move on. Look at verse 9 again, though we speak in this way. Yet in your case, beloved, we feel sure of better things, things that belong to your salvation. The reason he feels this way is because of the promise of God. And he's going to go on and explain and give an example of Abraham and the promise of God to save Abraham. And, then, and that's a picture as God will save his people. This is the overall truth of this passage. <clears throat> Look at verse 12 again. He says, So that you may not be sluggish, but imitators of those who through faith and patience inherit what? The promises promises of God. So with that in mind today, as we take the Lord's Supper together, it's very fitting, I have three grounds, grounds, bases, foundations to our assurance. In other words, how do you know you're saved? How can you be assured that you are saved? And again, we're going to get to more next week, but today Three of these. Here they are. It's all about God's promise. Number one, the promise of God in eternity past to save a people. In other words, in, the, in, in all of eternity, God has made a promise <laughs> to save a people. Okay? We see that in the Scripture. That's number one. Number two, the promise of God now. 
in the present, in the accomplished work of Christ. And then, in the future. Number three, the promise of God in the future to finish what He has started. And so if you'll notice here, though, as we go through this, truth number one highlights God the Father. Truth number two highlights God the Son. Truth number three highlights God the Holy Spirit. So let's begin. Assurance. How can we be assured? Number one, because we have the promise of God in eternity to save a people for Himself. Brothers and sisters, this is the beginning of our assurance. Very important. This is the first ground of our assurance. God has promised to save a people. And God cannot lie. He cannot tell an untruth. In fact, that he's gonna, the author is going to base that on this. Look down at uh, verse 18 for a moment. In which it is impossible for God to lie. We who have fled for refuge might have strong encouragement to hold fast to the hope that is set before us. This truth is motivated by the great love of God in choosing a people from before the foundations of the world. And you might say, well, does the Bible teach this? Absolutely. 2 Timothy 2.19 says, But God's firm foundation stands. Bearing this seal, the Lord knows those who are His. So how does He know? How does God know whose are His? He knows because He has chosen them before the foundations of the world. Now, listen to our own confession. The New Hampshire Confession, our church confession, number nine, says this concerning the doctrine of election. Of God's purpose of grace. We believe that election is the eternal purpose of God, according to which He graciously regenerates, sanctifies, and saves sinners. And then, if you go later on down in our confession, we see that this purpose of grace and election is. The foundation of Christian assurance. That's in our confession. And so that's where I'm at today in this big picture. Consider a few verses. Ephesians 1, 4 and 5. Even as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before Him. In love, He predestined us for adoption to Himself, as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of His will. I think of Jesus' words in Matthew 25, verse 34. The king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my Father. Inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. Romans 9. Verses 11 and 12, speaking of Jacob, Paul says, Though they were not yet born and had done nothing either good or bad in order that God's purpose of election might continue, not because of works, but because of Him who calls. Those are just a, a few verses. There are many, many, many for sure. But I think about 
the love of God. When God has, as God has chosen a people motivated by his love and his own glory from before the foundations of the world, I think of a mother with a child. A mother who loves her child, her infant particularly. I'm particularly, um, as I see Emily with Nora, my own daughter, with her baby girl. And, and those of you who have small children particularly, and it, even if you've had children, and if you haven't had children, you can imagine you were a child who had a mother, someone who cared for you. Can you imagine withholding milk from your infant, from the child who is hungry, the child whom you love? Can you imagine not changing the diaper? This week's been full. We've had so many people in our house this week full of diapers. Even, praise the Lord, I didn't get to change any this week. But I threw a bunch in the, in the trash can. But can you imagine with just, I'm not going to change you. Of course not. Can you imagine being cold outside and you're not bundling up as a mother that little one that you love. You don't want them to get sick. You don't want them to get cold. And you bundle them up. Of course, you, you, you couldn't imagine. Well, this is one of the pictures we get in the Old Testament about God and His precious children, particularly Israel in this case. Listen to these words from Isaiah 49. Just listen to them. Thus says the Lord, in a time of favor, I have answered you. This is, he's talking to, to His own, so this is for us. time of favor, I've answered you. In a day of salvation, I have helped you. I will keep you and give you as a covenant to the people to establish the land, to apportion the desolate heritages, saying to the prisoners, come out. To those who are in darkness, appear. They shall feed along the ways. On all bare heights shall be their pasture. They shall not hunger or thirst. That's us. Neither scorching wind nor sun shall strike them. <laughs> From Sunday school this morning. For he who has pity on them will lead them. And by springs of water will guide them. And I will make all of my mountains a road and my highways shall be raised up. Behold, these shall come from afar. These, these are his children from whom before the foundations of the world he has chosen. These shall come from afar. Behold, these from the north and from the west and these from the land of, of Syene. And then he says, sing for joy, O heavens, and exult. I, I, just singing. I remember when I sat in church as a young person singing hymns like that. I didn't like them. I mean, I didn't dislike them. But I, they were nothing to me. And I'm thinking, oh man, what is this Christian stuff? Mom and dad making me come to church again. But I can tell you, when the power of God came to my heart, through the power of the Holy Spirit, when I was in college, and then I sang these songs, I sing them very different. And you guys know what I'm talking about, if you are a Christian. You know exactly what I'm talking about. But he says here in, in Isaiah, <clears throat> Sing for joy, O heavens, and exult, O all of the earth. Break forth, O mountains, into singing. For the Lord has comforted His people, and He will have compassion on His afflicted. Well, how fitting from Sunday school this morning. Didn't even realize that. But Zion said, the Lord has forsaken me. My Lord has forgotten me. This is in the midst of Babylonian times looking forward to their captivity. And they're saying, you've forgotten us. 
And then finally we read in that same chapter there in Isaiah 49, we read these words about God with his people. And he says, can a woman forget her nursing child that she should have no compassion on the son of her womb? But then he says, even those may forget. Could you imagine forgetting? No. But even you could forget. You can't. That's the point. But even you could forget, but God will not. I will not forget you, he says. God cannot forsake his people whom he has chosen from before the foundations of the world. This is the foundation of our assurance. The Bible says that we are a product of his love. He has chosen us. He has set his love upon us. This is the love of our Heavenly Father in whom there is no shadow of turning. He is the fountain of love and it flows down to us. If you picture God, as a, His love is a fountain just coming off, coming down and just continually pouring forever and ever. It flows down to us and there we are at the bottom receiving His love. And the wells and the springs of this, if we think about the earth, the wells and the springs of this earth will dry up but not the love of the Father towards His people whom He has chosen. So when we think about the doctrine of election, when you really see it, this is the foundation of our assurance. And this doctrine brings the greatest of comfort. Because without it, where is our assurance? Most people don't even think about it like that. But if you believe that God looks through the future and he sees, ah, John will choose me. And then he chooses me based upon his looking through the future. I believe that this would be a foreseen merit. Then what assurance would I have? I would have none because as a sinner who is dead in my trespasses and sins, I will only choose that which is contrary to God. If God did not choose me before, before the foundations of the world, where would I be? Where would you be? On my, on my own, my own righteous acts are as dirty rags that we would just toss them away. We, we cleaned out the, lots of stuff at our house yesterday and we threw away a lot of, of dirty rags. From head to toe, I am a sinner. The Bible says there are none who does righteous. No, not one. So, do I think or do you think that by some good chance that I would choose God on my own if I was left? Where would my assurance be? If and if I could in some way elect myself, which I don't know how... You, that's contradictory. But if I could elect myself, then who is to say that I couldn't unelect myself later on and then fall away? Where would be my assurance? Where would be your assurance? I remember, I remember our brother Lee, um, who passed away this past year. He would often say, John, oh, the electing love of God, how it has changed my life when I saw this. How beautiful it is for me, he would say. 
This means that for us and for you today, your assurance, my assurance, our assurance as Christians begins with God and His decree to choose you from before the foundations of the world. This is the basis of all of our assurance. That's number one. So that was, if we could say this, eternity past. Number two, we're coming to the now. Assurance. How can we be assured? Because, number two, the promise of God that is now accomplished in the person and work of Jesus Christ. So how do we know that God has chosen us? How do you know you're chosen? How do you know He has set His love upon you as the mother set his love, her love upon her child from before the foundations of the world? How do you know this? How can you have assurance? Well, we'll we see this all throughout the Scriptures, but, and we see that even in this passage coming up, but we see that our assurance is found in the gospel. Number two. Now, God has worked in His Son. And because He has worked in His Son, we have assurance. 1 John 4.10 In this is love. Not that we have loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. So do you see? Going back, eternity past, He loved us and He sent His Son. This is now right now we're sitting in our chairs now right now this is why we take the lord's supper now ongoing we do this until when till he comes this is what we remember today this is my body broken for you this is the cup of the new covenant in my blood as often as you drink it remember me we do this because now Today is the favorable time of salvation. It is time. If you are not a Christian and you're thinking about becoming a Christian, you're wondering, should I be a Christian? Today is the day of salvation. This is the time. It is not too late. So I would ask you and I would plead with you if you're not a Christian to say, I want to trust in Christ and look unto Him and believe on Him and be saved. But now, today, this is the work of the sending of the Son from all of eternity back. If you can just picture God the Father, God the Son, there in eternity. And the Son says, I will go. And I will do your will. And we see this fulfilled in the work of the Son as the Son of God took on flesh. Look at verses 19 and 20 here in chapter 6. And again, we're going to get more in detail here coming up. But not today. But look at my verses 19 and 20. As Christians, we have this as a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul. He's talking about an anchor for our souls. A hope that enters into the inner place behind the curtain where Jesus has gone as a forerunner on our behalf, having become a high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. These words say that Jesus is an anchor for our souls. As a ship without an anchor is just carried to and fro with the winds and the waves, maybe to crash somewhere with no foundation and no anchor. But for those who are in Christ, those who believe in Him, those who have received Him, we have an anchor for our soul that 
keeps us from it keeps us fastened to a an unmovable foundation so let me ask this where is Christ now well from Hebrews after making purification for sins he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high thinking back to the Old Testament he is in the inner place behind the curtain this is a picture of the holy holy of holies the throne room of God as our high priest he has passed where through the heavens so when we think about an anchor being held to your heart to your soul where is it fastened it's fastened in heaven where Christ has passed through the heavens it's not here on the earth now it is in heaven the Son of God took on flesh he was conceived by the Holy Spirit born of a virgin he lived a life just like us yet without sin and then at God's appointed time what did he do he laid down his life as a sacrifice for his people and Isaiah says this very familiar words listen to these words he was pierced for our transgressions he was crushed for our iniquities upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace with his wounds we are healed all we like sheep have gone astray we have turned every one to his own way and the Lord has laid on him what the iniquity of us all he was cut off out of the land of the living he was stricken for the transgression of my people out of the anguish of his soul do you, you see this theme now over and over it goes back to before the foundations of the world right here stricken for who transgression of my people out of the anguish of his soul he shall see and be satisfied hmm. by his knowledge shall the righteous one my servant make many to be accounted righteous and he shall bear their iniquities if you are in Christ today the Son of God has borne your iniquities he's borne your sins upon the cross no longer he's thrown them as far as the east is from the west and they're no longer upon you anymore and you have peace this is what the Son of God does and this is now and those of you who are Christians know what this is like now we're seeing the promise of God and we find our assurance now because of the work of the Son this is the greatest work of the Son for his people again who are his people well from one perspective chosen before the foundations of the world but from another perspective those who trust in him those who believe in him and from again we are from before chosen before the foundations of the world so at this point you might say how does this help me today with my assurance well let me just consider a few more verses turn with me I'm gonna have you turn this time to John chapter 6 John chapter 6 familiar should be very familiar verses on this topic when we think about our assurance John chapter 6 look at verse 37 to 40 
all that the Father gives me will come to me. So the Father is giving to the Son a people. All the Father gives me will come to me. And whoever comes to me, I will never cast out. Here we see the, 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 the sovereignty of God in the election, the responsibility of man in one verse. For I have come down, Jesus says, from heaven. Not to do my own will, but the will of Him who sent me. And this is the will of Him who sent me. That I should lose nothing of all that He has given me, but raise it up on the last day. For this is the will of my Father. So here's the will of the Father in, in, in the work of the Son. This is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in Him should have eternal life, and I will raise that person up on the last day. And then look down at verse 45. This is just New Covenant theology. And they will all be taught by God. Everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to me. Then look at verse 47 and following. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness and they died. This is the bread that comes down from heaven, so that one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I will give for the life of the world is what? My flesh. How fitting for us this morning, for our assurance as we eat this bread which is a picture of Jesus. Now, if all we have is the bread of this life, as good as it is when we cook it, that's all we have, we will perish with just that bread. For one day our bodies will give way. The wages of sin is death. But if by faith we feed upon the one who has descended and then ascended again back to heaven, we have an anchor for our soul, because our anchor is in heaven, and so our hearts and our souls are there. In fact, Paul says we are seated with Him in the heavenly places right now. Our assurance is this, brothers and sisters, now. We are united to Christ, who sits where? In heaven. Can there be greater foundation grounds for the assurance after the electing love of God than that we are seated in the heavenly places with Christ right now. Christ has completed His task on this earth and now He is our intercessor. He is our advocate. And His position is fixed. By the way, from this morning, fixed even as a man in the same body forever. It is he is fixed. And He reigns there now at the right hand of the majesty on high until all of His enemies are made His footstool. So let me ask you, can you move Christ from His heavenly seat? Can you remove Christ from His position? No, of course you cannot. 
then you cannot be moved. This is assurance. And this doctrine is great for our assurance. In John 10, Jesus calls those who follow Him His sheep. And then in, in John 10, 26, I, it's, it's interesting. I remember Jimmy and Joe, a, a lot about Verna. She used to go to John 10 all the time. She'd say, God's got me in His hand. And then He's got Jesus in His hand. And I'm in Jesus. That's what she used to tell me. But verse 26, John 10, 26. But you do not believe. He's talking to the, to the Pharisees and the religious leaders. You do not believe because why? You are not among my sheep. My sheep hear my voice. Now, this is we're going to relate to assurance, guys, in just a moment. My sheep hear my voice. I know them. They follow me. I give them eternal life. They will never perish. And no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father, looking back to our first truth, my Father has given them to me. He is greater than all. No one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand because I and the Father are one. So how do you know you have assurance this morning? Well, here's what you do if you are a Christian. You say from your heart, I know whom I have believed. And you say with the, with the Apostle Peter and his disciples, where else can I go? You have the words of eternal life. And when you hear the warnings from the book of Hebrews as hard and difficult as we heard two weeks ago, and you hear them, and you're scared about things, what do you do? You listen to them. And you say, there's danger ahead. And then what do you do? You cling to Christ. And you say, I know whom I believed. I know who my Savior is. He is in heaven, and I am seated with Him. And in your heart, that's what you say. You don't just say it with your mind. You believe it with all of your heart. You know that apart from Him, you can do nothing. John 15. So when you consider, talking about assurance, when you consider His great sacrifice on the cross and what He did to accomplish your salvation as He laid down His life, as He takes away your sins, as He appeases the wrath of God, then what happens in your heart? Your heart sings with joy. Down below it just comes out with all of your being. That's, that, do, you, do you see assurance? Does that happen to you? Maybe not just today because you can have a really bad morning and your mind is somewhere else. But over a period of time, when you hear preaching like this and you read the Word or you hear a sermon or you hear someone speak of Jesus or you hear songs that sing of such great gospel news to us, over time, what do you do? It comes out. And you say, I know whom I believed. Could there not be any greater assurance than that? And you say, I believe in Him. And as we sing often, He will hold me fast. And then you say, I'm chosen before the foundations of the world. And I know this. Why? Because God didn't stop there. Then He sent His Son. For me. And you say, Christ died for my sins. That's why we ask someone, we, we baptize them. Do you believe Christ died for your sins? And you say, yes. That is the confession of a Christian. So is this your experience? As you read such words and as you hear such preaching. This is assurance. 
Finally this morning, and this third point is more brief. We move to the future. How do you know? How, what is your grounds of assurance? It is the promise of God to complete what He began in you. This is none other than the work and the power of the Holy Spirit. whom Jesus, whom God the Father, Jesus sends the Helper who comes and He dwells in us. And, and what He does is He works in us so that we stay. And He makes sure that our sanctification is complete. I think of Philippians 1. Paul thinks about those believers in Philippi, and he is confident that God has not only chosen them from before the foundations of the world, and that they are now secure in Christ, but then he also says, I thank my God in all of my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine, for all of you, and I make my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. So he's excited about what God has done through his preaching and teaching, and God has brought them together in their partnership in the gospel. And then he says, and I am sure of this, and this sort of echoes the words of Hebrews 9, though we speak in this way, yet in your case, beloved, we feel sure of better things. And he says, and I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. Why is he so sure? Well, he knows that not only has God chosen them before the foundation of the world, that God has sent his Son as the gospel has come in power there. He knows now the Holy Spirit has come and he dwells in them. 2 Corinthians 5.5 5. He who has prepared us for this very thing is God, who has given us the Spirit as a guarantee. Do you remember Jesus' words from John 15, 26? He says, When the Helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me. And then in chapter 16, verse 1, he says, I have said all of these things to keep you from falling away. Jesus wanted them to know and to have assurance as John says, I write these things to you who believe on the, on the name of the Son of God that you might know that you have eternal life. Brothers and sisters, the reason we don't fall away is because the Holy Spirit keeps us. We do not ultimately profess Christ because He is a good person to follow. We do not ultimately profess Christ merely because He will lead us to a better place, which is much of the way the world sees religion. I'm getting to a better place. Yes, that's good, but we do not merely believe in Him because of that. We do not merely profess Him because He tells us necessarily that which is true, but He does. But we make this profession, brothers and sisters, by the power of the Holy Spirit. You might say, what do you mean by that? Do you remember Peter's great confession when he said, Upon this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail. Of course, he's talking about his plan from before the foundations of the world to send the Son, to give the Holy Spirit. But right before those words, Jesus asks Peter and his disciples, Who do you say that I am? <clears throat> Peter says, if you remember, 
You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And then do you remember what Jesus says to him? Very important for us this morning. Jesus says to him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. So who revealed it to Peter that he made that confession? The power of the Holy Spirit. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Brothers and sisters, today we have assurance because God has worked powerfully in our hearts by the power, effectual power of the Holy Spirit as we confess Christ. Now, we might on this side go, I confessed Him. I love, I, I, I want Him. That, we were given the gospel and we received it. <laughs> and then when we get to that, and then we look back and we start reading the scriptures, then we see, yes, we were chosen before the foundations of the world. They do go together. And I understand there's always a tension. We must preach both. But those who do not preach these truths in this way, I am convinced that the Bible teaches cannot really have assurance because if it's up to us, then we're going we're gonna, to, it's amazing that I'm still here. And I, I, I confess, I have struggled greatly. I feel in the last year, I've probably felt in and of myself when it comes to assurance and my lack of obedience in some things, particularly in prayer, particularly in evangelism. And I'm just on autopilot in many ways. That's, that's, I'm just being honest with the way I feel. So therefore... I need, I needed this sermon this week, hugely. Because when I think about it like this, I can have full assurance. Now next week, we're going to get to the works, okay? How is it together? But this week, big foundation, big umbrella of this overall passage of God's promise to save. That is the plan of God. And because of this great plan of God and the personal work of the Son that's sending the Holy Spirit from eternity past to right now in the gospel, to future working in us through the Holy Spirit, I hope that today you can say, I'm assured I know whom I have believed. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you for these great truths. I pray again that Christ would be exalted. Pray that we would today. Love Him with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and may these things be the motivating factor of what we do in this life. Not all these other things that religious people, and even those who call themselves Christians, get involved in. May we be simple. Thank You, Father, for the church, and this local church that we are able to get together and preach such words and and enjoy these things together. These words are for us. And may we find assurance. May we heed the warnings and not drift away, not fall away. Help us, I pray, this morning and encourage us by Your Spirit. I pray that, that as unencouraging as I may have been, 
as a preacher that your Holy Spirit would encourage millions of times more than what I can do. Help us today and the days to come that you will give. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Grace Baptist Church podcast. You can listen to past sermons at podbean.com. Search Grace Baptist Church China Grove to find us. You can also find us on Apple Podcast. Search Grace Baptist Church China Grove. You can also join us at the South Rowan YMCA, 950 Kimball Road, China Grove, North Carolina. We meet on Sunday mornings at 930 for fellowship and service starts at 10. Thank you for listening and remember to be intentional in making disciples this week.